One of the, the fun things we're experiencing here at Elam is uh, that we're running out of seats. Um, that's, that's, that's good. Uh, that's fun. And um, I just kind of want to, if you're newer to the Elam family here and newer to attending, I want to make you aware of an opportunity. Um, next Saturday morning, we're having what we call Discovering Elam class. It's only a couple hours. But maybe helps you if you're newer here to maybe get a heartbeat of the church, maybe a, a better idea of what we believe, um, where we're going, and I know choosing a church to worship at and serve at is a really huge decision, and uh, we want to help you in that process by at least letting you know a little bit more about Elam. So uh, hopefully you can make that while we'll snacks here, and it gets just a couple hours, but I trust we'll give you a good idea. And so if that's something you'd like to do, please see me. I know some of you already expressed interest, but come see me to confirm, so make sure we have enough here for you, uh, not only the food, but also some material, and so that'd be great. Come see me today or call me this week, but uh, the sooner the better, uh, so we can plan, and so hopefully you'll take advantage of that. Um, Also, I want you to know that uh, we're also a gutsy congregation, because we're going to have some baptisms next Sunday, Um, yes, in the lake, in the lake. And so this is where I think I'll let Dan go. No, just kidding. Um, we'll do it together, maybe in body suits, but we'll be out there. And Shariku shared a story last week as wanting to be baptized. And if anyone else is like, okay, this, this is the time. Uh, God's uh, prompting your heart to obey him in this way. Come see me or Dan. And uh, we'll look forward to that as well. That will be after the service about 1 o'clock down at Brooks Lake. And so everyone's invited, of course. Uh, as that's one of the main points of baptism is publicly identifying with Christ. And so we want to invite you to those two opportunities and make you aware of them uh, because of how important they are. We're talking about something very important last few weeks. We'll continue here. And that is our homes. The most significant place on earth. Our homes. And I've mentioned the last couple of weeks, I'll reiterate it. No matter what your home situation is right now, uh, whether you're a single parent, Um, Whether you're empty nesters, um, whether you're grandparents, whether you're traditional, what's called traditional family, uh, whether you're from a a blended family, doesn't matter. Uh, These messages, this message this morning is for you. It's for all of us. Some time ago when I used to golf, I came across an article I found was interesting. It was about injuries in golf. The article said something that grabbed my attention in a different way. The author said, the mechanics of your swing play a role in your tendency toward injury. If you've learned correct mechanics early in your golfing career, you'll be less prone to injury. If you're unsure of the mechanics, you need to consider a professional. In the same way, When our children learn God's values early in life, they're less prone to injury later in life. You and I as parents and grandparents need to teach them, as maybe not professionals, but as those called of God, to teach them God's values so later they won't be injured. It's not simply handing over information. That's not what I'm talking about. It's much more than that. Now you might say, what's a value? What, what are we talking about here? Here's some dictionary definitions. Moral beliefs. A sense of right and wrong. Strong conviction. 
ideas and beliefs that we hold dear. And I would add, those that are found in the Bible. Values. There is a great need to teach values. Proverbs speaks of teaching and instruction. By implication, it's needed. There's a need to instruct. There's a need to teach. One example you'll find in Proverbs 3. I'm going to read these verses, and I want you to notice not only the the personal nature of the verses, but also the values that are being put forth. And the author's intent is that these readers would respond to the teaching in a certain way. So follow along if you would. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on a tablet to your heart so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe His reproof. For whom the Lord loves, He reproves. Even as a father, the son in whom he delights. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom. And the man who gains understanding. For its profit is better than the profit of silver. And its gain than fine gold. She's more precious than jewels. And nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways. And all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. And happy are all who hold her fast. It's not hard to see in those verses the need for instruction. Maybe some time ago, earlier this year actually, you heard about two Maryland children who had a tag on them, free-range kids. The tag came from their parents who were in a habit of letting their children roam the streets I'm not sure my parents would have necessarily not done the same thing. They were pretty close to home. But they became a major news story. This particular person, Daniela Mediv, had said that she had told her kids to be home by 6.30, and when they didn't arrive, she became frantic and started driving around looking for them. The Mediv's say that Children Protection Services didn't call them to let them know they had the kids until about 8 p.m., The Midas drove to the Child's Protection Service Agency to pick up their kids, but said they were told to take a seat and initially weren't given any information about their children except that they were there. Finally, they were reunited 10.30 at night. Nice organization, huh? And they made the national news in January, and they were investigated for letting their children roam freely through the town, free-range kids. We are growing up in a world of free-range kids who are walking the streets in a moral fog trying to figure out that which is lasting and that which is good and that which is right. Are free-range kids wandering in your home? That's the question on the table. 
What morals or values are you teaching them? James Dobson once said, this generation of teenagers has spent more time on their own than any other in history. If they're not with their friends, they live in private, adult-free world of web and video games. You see, there's a great need today, maybe more, not more than ever than today, it's to teach values. It's not the job of the schools. Our schools do great jobs, and it was teacher appreciation this past week, and to all our teachers, you're a blessing. You're blessing our children, blessing our community. But it's not their job to teach values. Primarily, it's mom and dad's job. Grandma and grandpa, I may add in there. And this requires a conscious, consistent transfer of God's truth to the young. As one person said, it's one life that needs to rub off against another. Because our children need to be taught values. Deuteronomy 6, 6-7 through talks about a great transfer that needs to take place. The author Moses writes this, These commandments, these words which I command you today, shall be upon your heart. And then notice the transfer. Starts in your heart, then there's a transfer of these things. And today you shall teach them diligently to your children. Diligently is a great word here. It means to sharpen. And the form of this verb is actually one that's intensified. So you could put it this way. You shall intensely sharpen your children. It's intentional. It's creative. It looks for opportunities. Proverbs 1, verse 9. It says this. Indeed, they are graceful wreaths to your head and ornaments around your neck. That is this Father's instruction. Chapter 3, verse 3. Don't let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on a tablet of your heart. Lord, we teach values in our homes in order that having ingrained them in lives, our children are adorned with those precious values and truths. In other words, their lives become something great. They're they're willing to try hard things. There's a freedom in their life because we've taught values, God's values. This never hit me more than several years ago when I had a discussion with my TV. You ever do that? Talk back to it? And uh, in this particular case, there was a certain president, President Clinton at that time. He was having a State of the Union address, and he was talking about traditional values. His comment was this, we no longer live in those times. We live in a different times. And I'll use his phrase, this is the one that got me ticked off, spiritually ticked off, I may add. He told the country that we need to experience an evolving morality. I want to throw up, what do you mean an evolving morality? What he was saying is those traditional values that this country was built on, biblical values, that those in the home taught were outdated. And that we needed to embrace this evolving morality. In other words, this morality, this sense of values that's ever-changing is what we were told. What a dangerous statement that is. You see, if we don't instill God's values, someone else will. And that someone else is those who probably believe in an evolving morality, which is sinking sand. I came across this quote, I believe goes to Chuck Swindoll, actually the story, 
He writes about this Alvin Toffler who wrote a book called Future Shock some years ago, and he said this. He said, a powerful tide is surging across much of the world today, creating a new, often bizarre environment to which to work, play, marry, raise children, or retire. In this bewildering context, businessmen swim against highly erratic economic currents. Politicians see their ratings bob wildly up and down. Universities, hospitals, and other institutions battle desperately against inflation. Value systems splinter and crash, while the lifeboats of family, church, and state are hurled madly about. And he goes on to say, so we'll be swimming against the tide when we try to raise our families exactly as we were raised. You see, the world's different today. And the challenge of keeping genuinely Christian families from becoming an endangered species is enormous. But God has not left us to flounder. He's given us his word. He's given us the book of Proverbs, specifically this morning, so you and I could teach values. It's that significant. There is a great need for you and I to teach values to our children. Great need to have values undergird our homes. Now, you might say, what values? There's a lot of them. I mean, there's a lot of values to consider in our life. And I find it interesting that through Proverbs, there's a personal address the author makes of my son. It's very personal. In other words, the exhortations and the values identified are very personal. They're passed on from a parent to a child. So I'm thinking maybe we should pay attention as parents as to what we should pass on to children. But the beautiful thing about Proverbs is the way it's laid out. It begins with a personal address, and as the chapters usually go on, or as that passages go on, it identifies values that we're to teach. And I'm going to give you a few examples here. Chapter 2, verse 1. My son, my child, if you receive my sayings and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding, if you cry for discernment, Lift your voice for understanding. And he goes on to talk about the significance of yearning for those things. And what are those things? He begins and he goes in chapter 2 to identify values. Some of the values in chapter 2, character, faithfulness. And so these these values are identified and they're taught. Chapter 3 is no different. It begins, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. And throughout chapter 3, He expounds upon what those values are. Honoring God. Being faithful. Embracing wisdom. Keeping steadfast. Those values are identified and taught. If you look at verse 11, my son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord. There's a value. How often do we teach that? Hey, don't buck God's discipline. There's, There's values that are taught. Chapter 4, verse 1 through 2. Hear, O sons, the instruction of a father. Give attention that you may gain understanding. What is it there to give attention to? These values, he goes throughout chapter 4. Value learning. Value perseverance. Value pure devotion. Value a commitment to the truth. Value gracious speech. These are values that he's teaching. They're identified and they're taught. Chapter 5, as you go to that chapter, he begins it, My son, give attention to my wisdom, incline your ear to my understanding. 
What values are identified? Purity. Faithfulness in marriage. Commitment to truth. To value God's gift of sex. The whole chapter's filled with values that we're to teach and identify for our children. Chapter 6, verse 1. Same same basic outline. My son, if you've become surety for your neighbor, have given a pledge for a stranger. And he goes on to talk about being responsible. He talks about financial, personal, marital, responsibility. He talks about the values of hard work, contentment, humility, and diligence. So if you're wondering what values do I teach, read Proverbs to your children. I mean, it's just loaded with them. And they're values that we can build our lives on. And kids, you can build your lives on them. They're not outdated. God's word is true for today as it was yesterday. God's word is true for all people in all places at all times. It's a solid foundation. And we need to teach in our homes values. Every person, every parent, let's read scripture. Let's learn and intentionally identify values you need to teach, you need to model. Now you're like, okay, I go to Proverbs. A long list in here, Matt. I mean, it'd take me forever to talk about every value here. Where do I begin? Glad you asked. Because Proverbs tells us where to begin. Don't you love that? Just answers our questions before we even ask them. Now remember, the goal is to teach godly values. Both dad and mom, I may add. This is a team effort, dad and mom. This is both of you. You need to reinforce each other in that sense. It's important. Dads, the Bible lays a heavier responsibility on you. You're the priests of your home. You're the pastor, if I may, of your homes. And so sometimes if your children are like, oh, there goes dad again, good. Might buck them at that moment, but that means you're reiterating something important. They're, they're getting it. Okay, They're not tuning you out as much as they may seem. Proverbs 1, verse 7. Here's the beginning of it. The fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Ooh, ouch, kids, doesn't that one hurt? You turn away from mom and dad's instruction, Bible calls you a fool. It's right there. Don't get mad at me. Okay? It's right there. So don't do foolish things. Don't engage in foolishness. You do that when you reject mom and dad's instruction. Okay, parents, you can use that later if you need to. It's right there in the Bible, so you're on solid ground. Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's reiterated. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Where do you begin the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is an attitude based on the truth of who God is. You see, the foundational fundamental values of God are to be found in the character of God that existed before the world ever began. Godly values are based upon God and God's character. The fear of the Lord is an attitude toward God that rightly relates to who He is and can only rightly relate to, to God if we know who He is. The fear of the Lord is an attitude toward God that shrinks back in fear before drawing near. So you understand that. It's that sense of the greatness of who God is, the fear of Him, a holy fear, but then the awe of being able to draw near in Christ. If you don't have that fear, oftentimes you don't really understand grace 
Because grace and its greatness is because a holy God has allowed you and I to draw near. You and I need to draw near first in a holy fear and experience forgiveness and draw closer because of grace. The unforgiven sinner, overwhelmed with feelings of shame before a holy God, rightly draws back in fear until he hears the invitation to draw near. You see, God's values, teaching values, begins with the fear of the Lord. Now you're like, oh, wait a minute, that's just Old Testament concept, Matt. Well, I beg to differ because the New Testament talks a lot about fearing God. One particular case, 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Paul writes, therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from the defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Where do we begin teaching values? We begin with the fear of God, because that's where the Bible says to begin. We need to teach children who God is, to give them a well-rounded picture. Now, growing up, we had a tool called Veggie Tales. Okay, where I even got a veggie tail tie. Okay, those are those are fun. Those were great for kids when they're young, but they don't give a well-rounded picture of who God is. They t- tell great stories. Don't get me wrong. There's some value in that, but they didn't give a well-rounded picture. Our kids, we don't want them walking around thinking of spiritual things in terms of vegetables. <laughs> no, we don't. We want our children to get a well-rounded view of this. And it's one thing for us to express what we think God is like, but it's an entirely different thing for us to recognize what God says he is like. And when you and I fear the Lord, we get what he has said to us about who he is. And the fear of God carries a deep concern not to profane his name, not to dishonor him. And this understanding is fundamental to our system of values. Now you say, okay, I begin... By teaching the fear of the Lord practically, how do I do this? The Bible answers our question again. Proverbs 8.13. How do we teach the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. There you go. We start there. Teach the fear of the Lord. We need to teach and pray that our kids and we would hate evil. Everyone knows, I think, evil in some form or other. And maybe in some form or another it hates it, especially when it affects us. But the trouble is everyone has their own special hatred for specific kind of evil, while at the same time cherishing their own specific evil. You see, to hate evil is not to be selective. <laughs> it's not to selectively pick the manifestations of evil that we think are bad. To hate evil is to hate every manifestation of evil, not just the biggies, as we would call them. We need to see our life and see our actions from God's perspective, lest we become desensitized to evil. Because our safety net in all this is the fear of the Lord. Sin is evil, whether it's idolatry or, or bitterness. Sin is evil, whether it's murder or gossip. You see, you can murder another person's reputation by slander. So we can't be selective in this thing. You and I need to hate evil. And how do we hate evil? We search for the truth. We line ourselves up by the truth. We pursue holiness. That's one way you and I fear God, is we hate evil. But Proverbs 14, 26 through 27 lets on to something else. Another aspect of this. 
This is great verse. This is a reassuring one. In the fear of the Lord, what is there? Strong confidence. And his children will have a refuge. You see, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may avoid the snares of death. There needs to be a healthy fear of God. In other words, we need to fear the right things, not the wrong things. We're to fear God. This all-powerful God who created matter. Now there's this whole last several years of this whole push about teaching our kids self-esteem. And we don't want to hurt their feelings because then it would hurt their self-esteem. But you know what? Self-esteem comes when the God of all matters says you matter. That's self-esteem. That's where it comes from. With a healthy fear of God, without a healthy fear of God, you won't have good self-esteem. You can't. Because it originates with God, the God who loved you and created you. Today we're told corporal discipline is wrong. The fear is that will hurt the child's feelings, will damage them somehow. I beg to differ. A healthy little swat on the hind end sometimes is the best thing you can do for your kids. I don't care what the culture says. I like what the Bible has to say. And it says sometimes that's necessary, appropriately, of course. It doesn't hurt their self-esteem. It reinforces what? A healthy fear of God. That we as parents are under his authority, and we have a responsibility under his authority to raise our children. It all comes back to this healthy fear of God. You see, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of a basis of a system of values. If it doesn't, we come to this sense of identity and this horrible lack of self-esteem. It's no surprise that suicide rate is soaring. Now, I was reading this past week, four out of five suicides are by males. I thought long and hard about that. I couldn't help but think one of the main reasons is because where's dad in all this? Dad's your key. Don't leave it to mom. Your key in teaching values. You're significant. But the real reason, the main reason there's such this high loss of identity and destructive behavior is there's no fear of the Lord. Because that's what brings true identity and true confidence, as Proverbs says. If parents want their children to take spiritual matters seriously, they must make spiritual concerns a priority in their own lives. Dads and moms, do children see you read your Bible on your own? Do they see you pray? Do they see you have spiritual disciplines in your life? If not, they're going to find it harder to believe that those values that you're teaching them are real, that they matter. It might be convicting, and I hope it is, <laughs> because it's important. There's a lot at stake. Parents, don't let your kids wander in a moral fog. Psalms 128, 1 through 3. This is written primarily to a man. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, blesses this idea of satisfaction and fulfillment, who walks in his ways. When you shall eat of the fruit of your hands, you will be happy and it will be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine, clinging and climbing within your house. Your children like olive plants around your table. They'll be thriving. And it begins with a dad 
Who fears the Lord? You and I need to teach a healthy fear of God. It begins there. And so let's put this together as we kind of conclude this. First of all, understand imparting values begins with dad and mom modeling truth. We need to model it. Because our children need biblical instruction and probably never more important than now. Understand imparting values begins with dad and mom modeling truth. Two, provide instruction and teaching of God's values. Expose the culture's lies. Talk to the TV. Tell your kids that's not true. Open the newspaper. That's not right. Communicate. Teach. Instruct values. Teach the value of life. The value of relationships. They're worth time. The value of friendships. Teach the value of integrity over convenience. Teach the value of growing in Christ over comfort. Teach the value of hard work over laziness. Provide instruction and teaching of godly values and begin with the fear of the Lord. We must teach this. We must. With your instruction, tie in the values that God puts forth in His Word that find its source in the character of God. Our only reliable foundation, one that will never fail. You see, your home is the most significant place on earth. And if you value those in your home, teach them values. Let's pray. Lord, I recognize from being a dad and a parent that one of the hard things is applying what the Bible teaches especially in relation to teaching our children and raising them. Lord, it seems we always have deadlines, places to go, meetings to attend, events we need to schedule around. And Lord, it seems the thing that gets pushed aside in all of our homes is intentional teaching of values. Deuteronomy tells us, God, that this instruction should take place all day as we walk along the road, as we work together. And so, God, my prayer is for everybody in here, dads, moms, grandma, grandpas, step-parents, Lord, that we would seize opportunities throughout the day to communicate God's values. We would be intentional in learning what those even are by studying your word. So, Lord, what we learn, we could transfer we could instruct, we could teach. And Lord, help us to persevere even when kids seem like they're not responding or, or not receptive. Help us to continue to do it. Believing, God, that you'll bless them, that you'll make them the values we teach come around. They'll base their lives on it. And they'll be like olive shoots that flourish in our homes. So God, slow us down as parents be more intentional, to be more specific. And Lord, help the children in this room to have hearts that are receptive to what you want mom and dad to teach. Help them, God, to develop a healthy fear of you. 
God, we know this will please you. We know, God, this will build up your church and your kingdom. And so if we're confident as we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.